How are you all doing, Bridge Youth? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. How are you guys all doing? Hope you guys are all having an amazing Wednesday night. You guys look amazing. Go ahead and look at your neighbor. Go ahead and tell him you look amazing. All right, you can look at your second neighbor, the neighbor you took second. Look him up and down and tell him you could have done better today. No, I'm playing. I'm playing, of course. My name is Kenneth Macau. I'm so happy to be continuing week three of our series called Proximity. And I'm super excited to be able to dive into the word today with you guys. But before we get started, we'd like to say every week from this platform before we preach that we're here to build you up, not... Beat you up. Yes, it's just something that we like to say every week. If you're here for the first time, super, super glad that you chose to join us today here at Bridge Youth. You're instantly family to us. We hope that you feel welcome. We hope that you come back the next couple weeks. You don't have to believe to belong if you're in this place. We just wanted to let you know that we love you and we back you and we're excited that you decided to come here today. And next week, I believe we're going to be having a back-to-school party, right? Is everybody, is anybody in this room excited to be back in school? All right, all right, yes, yes, the teachers have raised their hands, that's great. I'm not going to say who, but there's a student who all summer was complaining about, like, not being in school and how they, like, missed it. And, like, that's all out here every Sunday and Wednesday. And then when school started, he was like, oh, dang, I almost said his name. But he, he was like, I was like, oh, dude, are you uh, excited to be back at school? And now he's just complaining about being back in school and wants to be back in the summer, which is typical of, like, what you might expect for, like, a, a freshman. I'm not trying to give too many clues into who that person is. But, uh, yes, next we're going to be having our back-to-school party. We're going to have, like, a shorter message. We're going to be having games, giveaways. I think the Dubins are going to be barbecuing. I don't know why they didn't put me on the barbecue. I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little. I'm a little hurt because I can't cook, but I can barbecue. I can barbecue. Yes, if you, like, I, I can't cook cereal, but I, but I can I could barbecue really, really well. And, uh, yeah, my name is Kenneth. If I've never met you before, I would love to have the opportunity to be able to meet you, to be able to get to know you, especially, especially if it's your first time here, to be able to get to see you in the next coming weeks. It'd be really awesome to get to know you. I'm blessed to be able to serve here alongside all the other amazing leaders who are Enbridge Youth, the people sitting in the chairs with you guys, and the people that are in the back uh, running all the sound and lights and cameras and stuff like that. I get to serve alongside them. And also our next-gen pastors, Corey and Amber, I get to work with them, you know, five days out of the week here. They're super, super amazing. And we have the awesome privilege of being able to serve the fantastic kids of the Valley here at Bridge Youth. And we love you guys. Super excited that you guys get to come here every week. And today we're going to be continuing week three of Proximity uh, with, can we throw out the message title graphic? It should be examine your proximity to sin. And so in proximity, we've been focusing all about growing our proximity to God. And in today's message, we're going to be focusing on is our proximity towards God growing or is our proximity towards sin growing. And we're going to be reading before we get into the message a couple scriptures from the Bible from 1 John chapter 2. If you brought a physical Bible, if you're on your phone, you can go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 2. And then we're also going to go to Matthew 7 super briefly. And those will be the scriptures that we read before we get into today's message. If you guys want to go ahead and stand up in the honor of the reading of God's word, we'd like to stand when we read God's word, you know. And if you didn't bring your Bible, that's totally cool. The verses are going to be up on the screen. And 1 John chapter 2, it's verses 1 through 6 that we're going to be reading. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. 
He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And then really quickly, we're going to be turning to Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only few people find it. All right, we can go ahead and bow our heads, close our eyes. Father God, I want to just thank you that your word, the Bible, is beautiful and uplifting and encouraging. And I also want to thank you that it's honest and it tells me the truth. And it points out my weaknesses and my imperfections and it calls me to be more holy and pure. I want to thank you that in tonight's message that you're just going to be able to give us an understanding of your word, what it says and what it means. And you're just going to be able to give us the courage to be able to apply it into our lives. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Similar to Corey, I'm also a holler black, holler, what did I just say? Holler black? Holler back preacher. Uh, that might tie into what I'm about to be saying. Because, you know, if you want to, uh, if I said something that you like, you can go ahead and say, you know, all the cliche things, you know, that you've probably seen in like a Tyler Perry movie or something like that. You can go ahead and say, amen or hallelujah, whatever applies. You know, you can say preach it, you know, uh, Black? Uh, no? Can you not? I mean, I don't mind. Is that something you can get canceled for? Oof. Should we just play it safe? Yeah? All right, all right. JJ nodded too. If JJ said to play it safe, I'm going to play it safe. All right, guys. So, yeah, you can say hallelujah and amen. Amongst those two options, go ahead and pick your favorite on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And so I've, I don't think I've ever had a sermon in a sentence any time that I've preached here. But we actually have a sermon in a sentence for uh, today's message. So if you have your notebooks and you want to write down the sermon in a sentence, you go ahead and write it down. It is, are you close in proximity to sin or are you close in proximity to God? And this whole message is going to just be focusing on what is our relationship like with sin and what is our relationship like with God. Let's say, like, if your whole movie, or not your whole movie, if your whole life was put into a movie, actually not even your whole life, but let's just say your life since you became a Christian was put into a movie, could somebody watch that movie and say, that person's following God? Because the fact of the matter is that if we say that we're Christian and everything about our life contradicts everything that God has revealed to us about his character and the word, then 1 John 2 says that we are lying to ourselves. And so that will segue into our first point. If you guys want to go ahead and write down the first point, the first point is the wide gate. Remembering what Matthew 7 said, it said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And I know that with a message that focuses on the topic of sin, sin is like something that we see like a lot of in our world today. You know, our world makes it super, super easy for us, even as Christians, to participate in sin and to love doing it. And it gives us plenty of opportunities to live in disobedience to God's word. But even though that's true, can we pull up just like the uh, main graphic of proximity? This graphic was kind of just inspired by like, I don't know, like subway or not, like some, 
what's it, a submarine's like radar, and how like at the center is like showing like where you're getting closer and closer to the submarine. And at the center of that should be God. And as Christians, we should be trying our best to move closer and closer to the cross and closer and closer to, to God. And understanding that if that's our goal as Christians, then the world around us is giving us opportunities to move in the opposite direction, to move away from God and move towards sin. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus alludes to the fact that the world around us makes it easy to participate in sin and easy to disobey God's word. And that was 2,000 years ago. And God kind of warned us that as time went on, it would become more easy to sin and more difficult to live for him. Jesus alludes to the fact that as time goes on, uh, people will be even bigger lovers of themselves and navigate life without self-control or consideration for others. And Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 4, talking about our world today, he said that people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, and abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, and slanderous. And those are just the first two verses. In the last two verses, he says that people will be without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, addicted, conceited, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of money. And so God warns us that the world is going to continue to get more ungodly and more short-tempered and more impatient and more angry. And if proximity to God is a priority for us as Christians, then the rest of the world in a lot of ways is pressuring us to move further and further away from that center. And so the fact of the matter is that even though it's becoming more difficult, it's still up for us as Christians to uphold Christian character in any setting that we're in. You know, one really interesting and fun thing about, like, teenagers today is teenagers really hold individuality and, like, being different from everybody else at, like, a really, really high priority in their lives. And just people trying to be different just for the sake of being different and just finding any way to be set apart from other people around them is something that people hold to, like, such high esteem now. But the funny thing is the word holy, which God commands Christians to be holy, literally means set apart. And so there's, like, an aspect of, like, teenage culture which kind of almost, like, allows you to, like, engage in, like, this desire to want to just be different from people. And Christian culture should be different from, like, the world around us. If the rest of the world is pressuring you to be, like, selfish and uh, unforgiving and disobedient to your parents and stuff like that, Christians should be quick to forgive, to show love to people, to be considerate, slow to get angry. And there's an aspect of, like, teenage culture that almost, like, promotes set-apartness. Not in the way that, like, a Christian should be, but a Christian should feel empowered to want to be set-apart in the way that the Bible uh, commands us to be. Um, a couple days ago, me and my friend Isaiah, we owned a clothing brand together. And we had this really awesome opportunity to go to a fashion show. And we have this clothing brand, and we've decided that, like, as we enter, like, the fashion industry or whatever, that we're going to not live lives that compromise what it is that God has commanded us to do as Christians. You know, we grew up in this youth group with a couple friends of ours, and we basically became adults who decided that we're not going to live to win over the approval of people, but we're going to decide to live to win over the approval of the God that changed our hearts and our lives. And so coming into, like, the fashion industry or whatever, to say that, like, the fashion industry doesn't prioritize Christian morals is like a grave understatement. And um, we get to like our first fashion show and people are like the, the culture is just very like cutthroat and ladder climby and there's a whole lot of like narcissism and people are just very like 
full of themselves and conceited. That's not necessarily the case with like Quincy and like his fashion line, but just like the people there are very, very much like that. And we already know that we wear our faith on our sleeve and we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And we're gonna navigate like the setting that we're in, unashamed of what it is that we are and who it is that we are in Christ. And so deciding in that setting to be sincere and humble and meek and kind to everybody around us and just to prioritize Christ rather than trying to like use the setting that we were in in order to be able to like win over the approval of others by being like them. We just decided to prioritize Christian behavior and holiness and purity. And we really saw God like favor our time there in a really unique way. It's kind of hard to summarize, to be honest. But while we were there, we just saw like kind of miracle connection and conversation happen after miracle connection and conversation. And we saw God just like favor our time there because we decided to, in a setting that was totally contrary to like what it is that like God prioritizes, we decided to uphold Christian character and we saw God bless us in a really unique way. And I know that schools today don't necessarily prioritize Christian character in most of the classrooms and places that you go. Uh, and if you like go to, I don't know, hang out with friends that aren't Christian, then they might not prioritize the same things that you would as a Christian. But the fact of the matter is that even in settings where you could be terrified to do it, it's beautiful to see God bless your desire to want to please him rather than the desire to want to please the people that are around you. Even like one day before we went uh, to that fashion show, we were on a cruise with our friends. Actually, Marco, Isaiah, and Eli, who, you know, tanner than they were last week. They were in the front row with us. Uh, the three of us and a few other people in this room, we grew up in this youth ministry together. Actually, like 10 years ago today, we would have been like middle schoolers in this exact same role. And uh, we were on a cruise this time last week. I don't miss many Wednesdays, but I took one, I took one uh, Wednesday off just so, you know, go soak up the sun on this cruise. All the way to get, yes, yes. Got, had to go get a little bit darker, you know. Could never be too dark. Got those Kenyan jeans in me. And um, we got on this cruise and we like, okay. <laughs> I try to figure out how to talk about it. I saw there was like some points where I was super terrified with what I was seeing. Like there was one point where I was watching powerlessly behind like a glass window. My two friends borderline getting mauled by two tigers. We were in Mexico and we went to uh, this restaurant and it's not necessarily the best thing that if you see this restaurant has like cages of exotic animals, including tigers, and your friends think it'd be like wise to go into like those cages. But I borderline saw like Marco and our friend Andrew, who's actually watching the live stream right now, get hunted by two tigers. And there was like one point where things kept on just escalating and escalating and getting more scary and more terrifying. And you know how like when a cat is like hunting something, it's like shoulder blades are like shifting weird. It was like looking down and up at them and like looking at them like prey, like meat, like a snack. And at one point their clothes are tattered and you know, they got bites and scratches all over it and they're like backing up against the wall and it's like, it just turns into like a 2v2 sort of situation. Like it was the two of them trying to like protect each other against these two tigers. And they would just, as soon as they turn their eyes like away from one of the tigers, it would notice it start doing this and just jog and just pounce on them and terrify them. And I don't know if it's just like the way that our group, I don't know, like looks or something like that. But I think people thought that we were very different from what we ended up being because we kept on getting like invited and pressured to do all sorts of things that we know that we wouldn't do. You know, our faith ended up becoming really, really important to us when we were here as students at Bridge Youth. And it's something that we've carried with us into adulthood. 
And the temptation to be able to participate in the things of this world does not stop once you leave middle school and high school, but like in adulthood, it still presents itself. Actually, probably even more because you just have more money and more freedom and you feel like you can do whatever you want. But even as adults, we choose to prioritize Christ in our lives. And uh, as we're like now adults, we're like on this cruise and our lives are like rife with opportunities to be able to live in disobedience to God's word. And uh, just choosing to prioritize proximity to Christ rather than proximity to sin, we've seen it like allow for like the most like blessed possible young adult life that we could have possibly asked for. If you're in this room and like you're either in your senior year or you just graduated from like this past year and you're like entering into young adulthood, don't think that like there's like a easy ride into like Christian life just because now you're out of high school. The devil's still gonna find different ways to try to tempt you into abandoning the faith that you hold to dear while you're here right now. And coming into adulthood, prioritizing Christ and prioritizing moving towards proximity in Christ continually into adulthood leads for that path towards the narrow gate, which we'll get to actually in our next point, which is the narrow gate. And so the narrow gate part of the verse says that uh, smallest road and narrows the gate that leads to life and few people find it. And so how can we know that we're living in proximity to Christ? And how can we know that we're following him? And how can we know that we're possibly in the faith? Um, 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says to examine yourselves, to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And so let me just ask you guys if you can be introspective or just, like, honest with yourself, basically, you know? If you took your life, and I'm not talking about the life that I know about or the life that the other leaders in this room know you for or even the life that, like, your parents know you for, but the life that nobody knows about that you live except for yourself. If you took that life and, oh, snap and juxtaposed it or like compared it to scripture, would you essentially pass the test? Because as Christians, we're called to behave differently than, than the rest of the world. And a sign that we're living in close proximity to God, as these verses have explained, is that our greatest desire is to be like God. And so as our greatest desire to be like the world and the world around us, or as you like ask yourself honestly and introspectively, or is it to be like the God who saved you and changed your heart? Are your uh, greatest examples and idols people in this world who do not prioritize Christ at all? Are all of your ambitions and plans for the future plans that uh, pull you closer to God or pull you closer to sin? The fact of the matter is that God does call us to be examples for him in the world that we live in as ambassadors. Um, and so... As we're prioritizing proximity to God, I'm going to just ask us to be a little bit honest with ourselves as we continue to read scripture tonight. Does it reveal that we are moving in proximity to God or moving in proximity to sin? And the next point that I want to get into, point three, is new people. We talked, I guess, a lot about sin already in this message. And God's rescue plan involving Jesus was meant to solve the problem of sin. And God's rescue plan was more beautiful and creative 
and eloquent than anything that any of us could have thought of if we were God. And basically what it involved God doing is wrapping himself and clothing himself in humanity. And as a man called Jesus, he went to the cross and died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, like 1 John 2 says. And 500 years before Jesus ever walked the earth, talking about what he would one day do for humanity to solve the issue of sin, God said some words in Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. And God's speaking 500 years before Jesus about what he wants to accomplish for Christians through Jesus. God said, I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so because of what Christ will one day do, God is basically saying through Ezekiel that he's going to create a totally new people. And these new people who we today call Christians, God said that these people will be cleansed from all impurity, have new hearts, hate walking in darkness, love good and hate evil. God said that the law will be written on their hearts. They will obey God and they will miraculously be totally and completely new creations. And so to be a Christian, I think that Paul Reed, how many of you guys were at summer camp with us this past summer? Summer camp was super, super awesome. If you didn't go this year, make sure that you're there next year. Our team came in what, third? No, we came in second? No, we came in second by what? My team, uh, wait, I'm a great team. We came in second by how many seconds? One minute? We came, we came in second place by one minute. It was, a, it was a soul crushing. There's a lot of cheating allegations going around. I don't know if I believe, I don't know if I believe everything I hear. I'll, hum, I'll humbly accept second place. But uh, yeah, next year we're coming for first, The Rock. I hope that you can, I hope that you can hear us right now, Landon, wherever you're at. Um, the team that got first place is just across the cannon, if you guys want to, never mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, God was basically saying that one day he's going to solve the problem of sin and he's going to create a totally new people. And those people are going to be called Christians. And Christians are going to be completely new creations. And Paul, read at summer camp during the altar call, said that to be a Christian isn't just to uh, repeat a prayer one time, although that's a good thing. And he said that to be a Christian is not just to have Christian parents, although that's a blessing if you do have Christian parents. And to be a Christian is not just to be somebody who goes to church or tries to, like, do more good things than bad things in life. Although those are good things for a Christian to do. But what Ezekiel says is to be a Christian is to be miraculously transformed into a completely new creation as a result of Christ. And it's this miracle that we almost can't explain, but the Bible tries to give us as many metaphors as possible to describe it as being born again and to be a new creation with new desires. And so you can ask yourselves as we invite the band back up as we approach the conclusion, are these realities in me? Am I living in proximity to Christ? And more frighteningly, am I a Christian and in pursuit of the God who saved me? You know, I think I need to clarify before the message draws to a close that you can have certainty about your salvation in Christ. Pastor Zach actually preached an amazing message on Sunday from the same book that, I was, that I'm preaching from for this sermon about approaching the throne with boldness. 
If you didn't listen to that message, go back and listen to Sunday's message from Pastor Zach. It was amazing. And another thing is Christianity does not mean sinless perfection. There's an amazing verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says that there's no temptation that you've ever dealt with that's uncommon to man. And God will never see you tempted beyond what it is that you can bear. But even in your temptation, God will provide a way for you to overcome it. And so being a Christian does not mean that you navigate life perfectly and sinlessly. That's not true for anybody. Me and Corey, you know, especially. Paul said in Romans that Jesus died on the cross to save sinners of who I am the worst. And sometimes I can feel like I can relate to that verse like really, really well. But let's say on this stage, let's say to my left and your guys' right over here, we have the best meal like ever. You know, the best possible food that you can eat. I'm a huge seafood fan. So like sushi, I love Mexican food too. Carne asada fries is like my vibe. When I got my first job as a senior, I worked at Friday Night Lights, the football league, like the little league. And um, my entire paycheck went to gasoline for the car that I had at that time and carne asada fries. I was getting carne asada fries like three times a week, man. I don't know how I'm not 400 pounds. But yeah, okay, let's say on this side, what are, your, what are some of your guys' favorite foods? Chicken, that's very vague. Curry, Thai food, canes, Chick-fil-A. All right, let's say, let's say on this side of the stage, there's Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, canes, Arby's. Uh, <laughs> Arby's? Nah, fam, nah, fam. I don't need, what's it, minced meat and a burger. Well, okay, let's say on this side we have sushi, Chick-fil-A, Chipotle, all the delicious stuff that we love, in and out as well. And on this side of the stage, we have literal garbage. Not even flaming any restaurants. I mean literal garbage, like slop, all right? And um, let's say in the back of the room, we had like a pig in a pig pen. Does anybody here like live on a farm or grow up on a farm or does farming? Nobody? Don't be ashamed. Come on, I see those hands. Wear proudly. Live on farms. All right, so you guys will probably know better than I, but let's say we have like a pig in the back of the room and we like let him loose and he runs to the front of the stage to eat. What do you guys think he's gonna eat? Do you guys think he's gonna eat the lobster or the slop? Odds are that the pig is going to eat the slop, right? And the crazy thing is, at one point in my life before I knew Christ, I was that pig. And with all the options in front of me, I would choose sin every time. And the crazy thing about that pig is it would eat the slop and it would be happy eating it. And it will eat it without shame, even though there's something way better right over here. And it's only because of the miracle of the cross. When I surrendered my life to Christ, beyond having like my sins and impurities cleansed from me, like it says in Ezekiel 36, the miracle that the Bible says that will happen as a result of having accepted Christ occurred to me, and I was born again. You know, my heart was softened, and the veils were removed from my eyes, and not only did I find cleansing from my sin, but I surrendered my whole life to God, and I chose to live for Him instead of living for what it is that was over here. And the silly thing is that 
even as a followers of Christ, even as like a born-again Christian and all those other metaphors that the Bible used to describe what it's like to become saved, I still make the mistake of taking a bite out of the garbage. But what I will say is that even after a single bite, I realize what I've done and I repent and I turn back to Christ. And so what I can ask you guys to examine in regards to like your proximity to Christ is do you live in proximity to Christ and bite the garbage and hate it and turn back to him? Or do you live in the garbage? And do you love the garbage? And do you cherish the garbage? And do you live in proximity to it and really only dip your toe in what it is that God is calling you to do on let's say like Wednesday nights or one Wednesday a month? To be a Christian is a miracle that we find difficulty explaining, but without trying to overcomplicate things, it's just this new desire that comes at your heart to surrender your entire life to Christ as a result of the miracle of the cross. You know, in Romans 6, 12 through 14, it says, and this is Paul talking, there are two people in the Bible who are Christians who sinned worse than anybody in this room will ever sin. You know, they did some of the most like awful things and they're still followers of God. They just made some really serious mistakes. Paul was the one who said in Romans, uh, God is in the habit of saving sinners of whom I am the worst. And he goes through some really, really serious like existential crises in the book of Romans or just in all of his books in the Bible. Um, but the fact of the matter is that God is in the habit of saving sinners. And if God could save those two men, if God could save, you know, Kenneth and Corey, there isn't a sin that could be occurred by anybody in this room that could separate you so far from the love of Christ to where you can't come back to him. And so what Paul said in Romans 6, 12 to 14, he said, do not let sin control the way you live, which already right off the bat, like if you can wonder to yourself honestly, like is your sin or does it have such a like grip on your life to where your whole life has to be organized around you participating in that sin? And so in Romans 6, 12 to 14, he said, do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right and for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And so, like Paul said, like maybe if you were able to just be honest with yourself, maybe you could say that even though I am somebody who said the prayer one time, or I am somebody who comes to Bridge Youth on occasion, or I have Christian parents or whatever it may be, that is not, like if you examine yourself honestly, you're able to realize that that is not what makes me a Christian. And so, with that being said, Maybe we can bow our heads and close our eyes and get into our altar call. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, a verse that when we were in Idaho, Corey was using a lot. In summary, it just goes about describing what it is that Jesus did on the cross for us. And there's a lot of different angles and ways to approach what it is that Jesus did on the cross. And I don't think we'll ever be able to fully understand everything that it is that happened for us there until maybe we get to see Jesus face to face. But in that verse, it says that Jesus 
was God. So he was perfect. The one man who never deserved, you know, punishment or justice for sin since he never sinned. But that verse goes on to say that God um, allowed Jesus to be tortured and killed like a sinner so that sinners like you and me could be treated like we're perfect and we're righteous. You know, the one person that never deserved to be punished for sin was punished like a sinner so that sinners like you and me could be treated like we were perfect. And so, like we said, becoming a Christian isn't just saying a prayer one time, but if you would like to surrender your life to God for the first time in light of everything that you heard today, not only about Jesus, but what it means to follow God and to live in proximity to him, if you would like to say yes more authentically than you ever have before, maybe realizing that what you thought was navigating life as a Christian wasn't at all and you haven't been honoring God with your life and you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior for the first time, just to show outwardly what it is that God is doing in your heart, I'm gonna invite you to raise your hand when I get to three. One, two, three. I'm going to invite everybody in Bridgie to pray this prayer with us together. And it's less about the words and more about what it is that God's doing in your heart and how you choose to express that in prayer. And so if you guys want to repeat after me, dear God, I humbly repent of my sin. And I ask that you become the Lord of my life. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. And thank you for giving me an understanding of what it means to follow you. I surrender my whole life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, can we give a round of applause for those who accepted Jesus for the first time? That's awesome. That's so awesome. All right, we're going to get into one more response song. You guys can go ahead and stand up and make your way to the front if you'd like to. You know, we quoted a lot of scripture today, and I know that scripture could sometimes be very harsh and unapologetic, and I think that sometimes that we find it to be that, like I said while we were praying earlier, is because it kind of just is honest and exposes us for who we are, and it points out our flaws. Well, that's a good thing that God chose and decided to be honest with us in scripture. And since God decided to be honest with us in scripture, we're gonna try to be honest with you guys from this platform. You know, I said that there were two people in the Bible who made really, really serious sins and mistakes. One of them was Paul, who we quoted with, who we quoted from earlier in Romans. But I want to quote from David real quick and just the things that he said about the sins that he committed. In summary, David, I don't know how to summarize it. He slept with somebody who wasn't his wife. The Bible calls that adultery. Um, and then he killed the husband of that woman and a lot of other things that I'm not gonna get into here. But even having had made those mistakes, David was a Christian. And in Psalms 32 verses one through six, he said, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. He said, when I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. 
Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And so while we move into worship, if there's something that you want to confess and to surrender to God, some sin in your life, I'm gonna invite you to. But even beyond that, the Bible talks about confession to other people who, who are in your life who you trust. And if you need accountability or if you need to talk to a leader about what the Bible says about what it is you're struggling and going through, there are leaders in this room who would love to be able to partner with you in your life and love to be able to disciple you and love to be able to walk with you through the faith that it is that you're developing in Christ, myself included and Cora and Amber as well. And in regards to like the miracle of the cross, the verses that I quoted at the end here talked about how God forgives all our transgressions and washes all of our sins away. And you know, the crazy thing about God is that he's completely perfect. In regards to his justice, God is perfectly just in ways that we can never imagine. He can see every situation and flawlessly decide what is the just way to go about dealing with the sin in somebody's life. And the crazy thing about God's justice and the miracle of the cross is while God is perfectly just and has never made a mistake, at the same time, God will not punish me for my sins and he will not count my sins against me. And that's basically what the miracle of the cross is. In the next song, we're gonna be seeing all hail King Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's what we get to praise God for more than anything. The miracle of the cross is that while God is perfectly just and his justice has never been flawed and he'll never make a mistake, while that's true simultaneously, somehow because of the cross, God does not count my sins against me.
before we move on from this moment, um, before we move on from this moment, I, I just feel so compelled to, to urge you as we approach this, this topic of sin and we've talked about sin and a moment, of, a moment ago, many of you just lifted your hand and you just surrendered your life to Christ and you said, I want forgiveness of my sin and many of you have made that decision before and even if you didn't lift your hands, even in this moment, you can begin to make that decision right now. All it is is saying yes to Jesus. But can I tell you, like Wyatt said a moment ago, we fight from victory, not for it. And tonight, I want to tell you, we have victory over a lot of things. And one of the things that you now have victory over because you've accepted Jesus is you have victory over your sin. Your sin is already now defeated. So for those of you who in this moment, as Kenneth talked about, what are you, what are you gaining proximity to? Are you getting closer and closer to sin or are you getting closer and closer to God? And for some of you, you feel like you've been caught in the riptide of sin. Has anybody ever been caught in a riptide in the ocean and you're being dragged out and you feel like so quickly you become exhausted? You don't ever realize the power of the ocean more than a moment where you're stuck in a riptide. There, it's like a wave that you can't even see because it lies under the surface. And so it is with sin. And so for some of you, you've been caught in this riptide of sin. And even right now, you feel the pull of that thing. Can I tell you, can I tell you, that pole has no power over you anymore. Because of Jesus, that pole has no power over you anymore. It's conquered, it's in the past. Now here, 30 seconds of a very deep theological discussion very quickly. Two things I want you to know. Moving forward, you're gonna deal with two things. You're gonna deal with conviction and you're gonna deal with condemnation. If you fail, if you, if, you, if you mess up, can I tell you that doesn't mean, oh, I sinned, well, I prayed the prayer, and then I messed up, and I sinned, therefore God's going to cut me from the team. No, that's not how it works, okay? That sin is already forgiven. The sin you've yet to commit is already forgiven. The blood of Jesus is bigger, and it's greater, and it's already covering any mistake that might be out ahead of you, any mistake you've ever made, but you're going to you're gonna experience condemnation and you're gonna experience conviction. Here's condemnation. Con condemnation is the thing that in moments like this, when we begin to get into worship, you think I'm not gonna lift my hands because I'm a hypocrite if I do. For so many, what you do before you go to sleep every night is you pray. But condemnation is the thing that goes, but tonight I'm not gonna pray because I did this, or I did that, or I went and I looked at this, or I went and I looked at that. So you know what, if I were to pray, I'd be such a hypocrite. I'm so, I'm so filthy, I'm so dirty, I'm so disgusting, I'm, so, I'm covered with shame, and now I can't talk to God. I can't pray. That is condemnation. And, and God says, he did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. Jesus once told a prostitute, having gotten rid of all of, her, all of her accusers, said, hey, where are your accusers? And she goes, nowhere, they're gone. He goes, so who's condemned you? And she goes, no one, sir. And then Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. Some of you, you got the wrong idea about God. See, you think God is up there ready to punish you, so mad at you. And even tonight, like you're new to church because you've been so distant from God, thinking that God's heart towards you is one of anger. 
and that he's going to condemn you the moment you get in his presence. And he's just going to bust out the list of all the things you've done wrong. But now hearing a, a, a conversation about sin is going, oh, that huge, giant, long list and me, I'm at the front of that line. My list of sins is so long. And God just, here's, here's the image I see. Picture, I want you right now to picture your greatest sin, the biggest mistakes that you've ever made. Picture it just written on a whiteboard right now. And here's God's heart. He just grabs the eraser and boom, it's gone. And I know what you're thinking. No, no, that's like, it's too easy. Right. It's easy for you and me. It wasn't easy for Jesus. It cost him his life. But he paid the price so we wouldn't have to. Condemnation will always pull you further and further away from God. But conviction, conviction is like being in that riptide. And who do you call for? The lifeguard. And once the lifeguard's in the water, do you just go, yeah, I'm just going to float over here while you uh, swim this way? No, if Noah's the lifeguard coming to save me, I'm swimming towards him as fast as I can so that once I get to him, he can save my life. You were supposed to catch me in your arms, Noah. You failed the test. If I committed, I would have just butt straight to the floor and my tailbone would be bruised. Can I give you that picture? Can I give you that picture next time you sin? Sin is being caught in a riptide and going, I need a savior. And now here's, the, here's probably one of the most wild things that you've ever heard when it comes to sin. Next time you sin, run straight to God. I know, that's like contrary to what you're taught. You know the last person I'm running to when I get in trouble, when I made a mistake when I was a kid, I was not running to my mom and dad because <laughs> I'm getting whooped. <laughs> God's not over here ready to punish you. He's, ready here, he's over here ready to forgive you. And repentance looks like I need a lifeguard. I need a savior. And conviction makes me realize how much I need you, God. Would you help me with this? So I want to ask you a question, and we're going to... Um, I have no idea if this is possible, but if we can sing that bridge and chorus one more time, um, uh, do the magic with the tracks and bring us to the bridge in a moment, and we'll sing and worship together one more time in victory because there's a spirit of victory in this room. Are you moving? I'm echoing Kenneth's sermon and sentence. Are you, let me just read it exactly as is. Are you close in proximity to sin or are you close in proximity to God? And I wrote these two things down. Does sin have control over your life? If so, what's your next step? We just prayed a prayer. Now forgiveness and salvation, on the count of three, everybody snap your fingers. Anybody not know how to snap? Too bad, you're left out of this moment. One, two, three. That's how quick salvation happens. Again, one, two, three. That's how quick salvation happens. You're saved from your sins, and now you're going to heaven for all of eternity. God's erased your past. But sanctification is a process, and it's a process that's step by step. So what's your next step? Think of that sin you've been struggling with. What's your next step to gain proximity with God and to get away from that thing? God will speak to you right now. Would you do me a favor? Close your eyes. Forget you're in a crowded room. Lift your hands right now. God, what are our next steps? God, speak to young people right now. The young person who's struggling with that thing that they think they'll never be able to get past. 
that they'll never be able to conquer. Show them their next steps. Show them the person they're to be accountable to. Show them who it is they're gonna ask for accountability and for wisdom and guidance and help. And God, show them how it is that they can walk further away from that thing. Because settling for sin is settling for less. And we're not gonna be the pig that's happy living in slop. We know you have more. We know you have greater. We know there's victory available to us right now. So give strength to take these steps. We worship you, we honor you. In freedom right now, sin passed away as far as the east is from the west. Worship him with everything in you. Come on, let every knee bow, let every tongue confess that he's Lord. Come on, sing this out. in victory. just thanking Kenneth McCall for that absolutely amazing message. Hey, if tonight 
if tonight you gave your life to Jesus and maybe just a moment ago with your heart pounding, you lifted your hand in the air and you prayed a prayer, can we just tell you first and foremost, we are so pumped and excited for you. Can you guys join me in welcoming people to God's family? It's the best decision that you've ever made with your life. And I'm going to tell you this. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. It's not, somebody say not. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. And we feel like it's our obligation to walk this journey of faith out with you. And so we got a free gift for you called The Next Seven Days. There's seven videos. It'll be me on your phone, on your tablet, preferably not on your smart TV with the surround sound on because anybody else hate the sound of their own voice? Hate the sound of my own voice. Uh, it'll be me just helping just um, walk out maybe some of the questions you might have. I know when I first got saved, I felt like I had a thousand questions and nobody to ask these questions to. And so it'll be um, our way of connecting you with a leader, getting you these videos and helping you walk out the next week of your faith journey. How do I get it, Corey? Easy, just go to our Instagram, at bridge, Y-T-H underscore, and DM us the words next seven, and we'll take care of the rest. If you don't got Instagram, find one of our leaders, find myself, find Amber, uh, find Kenneth, find any one of our leaders, say, hey, I prayed the prayer, I want next seven days, we'll get you hooked up with next seven days. Hey, one more time, welcome people into God's family with me. So proud of you, so excited for you. Hey, next week, somebody say next week. We got our back to school party. We're gonna barbecue, free glizzies. We got snow cones. We're gonna, we're gonna be giving away a bunch of uh, prizes and giveaways, everything. Shoot your shot is up to $110. We're gonna need taxpayers to start chipping in at some point here soon. Don't miss next week. Look at your neighbor, say don't miss it. Who are you bringing? Bring somebody. We love you guys so, so, so much. We'll see you next week. Come hang out on Sunday morning. God bless you. Go to peace and love.